0: So to talk to us about uh, the future, we have the host of The Digital Human, and she is also a Doctor of Social Psychology. Will you please welcome Alex Kratosky? Thank you very much. Thank you for coming out. Please sit down. Pull up a microphone. Thank you for coming. What is the Doctor of Social Psychology? What but, does that mean?
2: Well, basically, it's a psychologist, yeah. right? So somebody who looks at people's brains, or at least looks at their behaviours, um, and decides why, they are, why they're influenced by things is other people. In short, it's basically, it gives me licence to watch people at dinner parties. Okay, That's pretty much all it does. <laughs> which is fine, because I quite like doing that anyway. I like
0: doing that as well. I'm, I'm going to call myself a social yeah. psychologist as well. Uh, and... Uh, you're going to tell us about the future. How do you know what's going to be in the future, first of all? I've
2: been there. I've seen it. <laughs> um, well, basically, because we are in the future right now. Wow. Yeah, no. Now we are. Uh, right now. Now. And ready. Now.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah.
2: I, um, it was actually kind of cool. I went to Tokyo a few years ago, and, and what really freaked me out is everybody was saying to me, it's going to completely blow your mind, it's, you know, it's like nothing you've ever experienced before, the culture shock is going to be out of this world. And I remember walking through Tokyo and sort of looking down streets and realizing that most of the popular culture that I'd immersed myself in for the last however many years, I guess it was 20 years, 30 years at that point, was based in Japan, whether it was people like William Gibson, authors like William Gibson, or anime or computer games or whatever. So as I was walking through Tokyo, I was able to kind of point down a street and say, Oh look, that's the future over there and Oh no 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 that, that that's the future over there. So I have actually been I have been to I
0: the have future. Been to the future.
2: Japan. Yeah. That's pretty much. <laughs> you know those, the sushi belts? That's the feature. That, is,
0: that <laughs> is pretty good. The first one of those I saw blew me away. I didn't even know what sushi was. Let alone that it could travel. Did you Try and get, get on. This <laughs> it was amazing. It was on a train the first time I saw it as well. That was, it was on a little train going round. That's even more feature than yeah, I've been in. It was in Melbourne. They didn't have it in the UK then. In, uh, ten years ago. <laughs> uh, so what do you think is going to happen in the future? Do you think that the film Terminator could ever happen in real life? Well, as a social psychologist, <laughs>
2: um, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of of the dystopian fantasy. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah, I've always been a bit of a fan of dystopias, whether it's Brave New World uh, or um, even someone is more contemporary, like Margaret Atwood, Oryx and Crake. I love
0: yeah, I love Margaret.
2: Yeah, so that kind of stuff, I've always really sort of enjoyed watching people imagine the destruction of society and so that just kind of fits into the yeah. canon basically but
0: it's interesting, I mean I think that, that, that the, the point I made in one of the sketches is that science and technology has really helped improve our lives immeasurably and yet all fiction about science, nearly all of it is about uh, destroying the world or t- making things bad and how nature is best.
2: Yeah, well, most fiction, you know, especially science fiction or technology fiction, you look back at the 60s and it's all very set. It's all social, co- social commentary. It's like Jonathan Swift doing, you know, doing all of his work back when he was doing it. And you see the, the, the stuff like the Andromeda strain in the 60s and you see more contemporary um, science fiction. It's basically predicting the future as it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket um, which is kind of fun because that allows us to say hold on a second we don't need it to be that way but on the other hand we also have things like Star Trek which have predicted the future by creating magical things yeah. um, that, that geeks have said okay fine I'm going to make it my life's goal to make that and that's why we have teleporters now <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm still working on it, but, you know. but that is—it has made probably mo- the mobile phones that do that. Yeah, that's only because of Star Trek. Oh
2: my God! The first <laughs> time I had one of those, I was like, be me. it was absolutely brilliant. But now, of course, we've got these things, which are. I mean, these, this is the future. Yeah. This is more the future than anything that I've ever seen. I just got, this is a, a new phone that was brought back to me from the US. Thank you very much, Ben. Because I, I was sick and tired of hitting my other one and saying, work, God damn it, why don't you work? My expectations of the future had moved on. But this thing is just absolutely unbelievable. This is the, more intelligence than, <laughs> than many of the people that I know. <laughs> um, which is a little bit unfortunate. But, you know, if you, like, if you count Google as your friend, then yeah. yeah absolutely it's just it's out of this world so yeah. although those flip top things were cool it was just a gimmick that
0: <laughs> is the future well it is what do you think you know even if you could go back 15 years and give some give me 15 years ago one of those i'd be I, my mind would be blown I'd, I'd probably you probably would die of
1: shock. <laughs> it's like you know it's like
0: when I mean, you imagine a medieval if you went back to medieval times and gave someone anything from the future of being but you could only be back 15 years and give me one of those i go ah <sighs> can't believe it well you uh, probably
2: wouldn't and that's the amazing thing about about these touchscreen devices in particular that was the first time i opened up um, a touchscreen smartphone i knew that that was it like that was literally it because there were no instructions now, most of the most of the new technology that we've had you know sort of looking towards the future has always come with completely illegible instructions for how to use it and often in five different languages with at least one page missing this completely eradicated that you opened up the box and all it said was touch me and it was <laughs> it was so you know welcoming and inviting and you just had to do it and suddenly you realized you'd You'd cross the Rubicon. You were there, man, and you, had, you, know, you were suddenly in this whole new world of interfaces. And that was... So you probably would have been perfectly fine. Hmm. Probably would have been... Per- I can't really... Your brain dribbling out of your ear like in Barton Fink. Probably wouldn't have happened because of the iPhone. Maybe some of the other things that are out there right now, but...
0: Um, and I was just backstage. You know, I was doing some research that I should have done, like, two weeks ago that I did... During the interval, thankfully, uh, I was thankfully reading, you briefed me on this. I, was, I just want say that I was reading about an article in the Guardian about uh, the guy who um, uh, came up with the Gaia theory, the Gaia theory about of the Earth. But he also thinks that human beings are going to kind of, and robots are going to become sort of one. Or in, in the future, humanity will be robotics will be part of the human beings. I, don't, I mean, i presume not biologically. I'm presume we'd always have to add it on. It's not like... Uh, well, you know, when, when things evolved, it was like things did kind of evolve together, didn't they? Sometimes two creatures kind of became one creature. But I don't think, like, a, a baby's going to be born with an iPhone... In its hand, with a, exactly with, <laughs> with a nine jack months' right here. <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, but thank uh, God, but you know, the, the actual technology is going to connect with humanity in that way. Do you think is that something that's likely to happen? We're going to become semi-robots.
2: Well, there's a lot of there are many different theories on this, and the most popular one, um, at least in the creator's own mind, uh, Ray Kurzweil. He's sort of he's a, a philosopher and thinker about the future. I have to put on like a big American accent <laughs> to say that, you know, I'm a philosopher and thinker of the future. I suppose it's more a Carl, Carl Sagan voice. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Ray Kurzweil, currently at Google, and he's, he's devised or is sort of promoting this theory called... Um, called oh, good Lord, help me. Thank you, the singularity. I'm going at synchronicity. No, it's not synchronicity. Serendipity. No, it's not serendipity. Thank you, the singularity. And the singularity is this idea that our intelligence and robots' intelligence are going to sort of achieve parity at some point. And then, of course, we're going to have the Terminator, uh, Terminator moment in which Skynet becomes sentient and, and then, you know, like the ants, yeah. <laughs> they become our rulers. And by the way, I do just want to point out that I've been having an ant invasion as well. So go, synchronicity Ambience. there. Um, anyway um, so there's you know there's there's that theory that's out there that people have been playing with for a little while and then you know we've we've got this this gaia theory about how it's all just part of the universe and we're all going to converge and merge into technologies and artificial intelligences are going to support and help and then eventually move beyond us and i don't know if you saw the uh, the film her did you see her no it was a really, actually, a lovely film set in the very near future about an operating system that develops a sort of sentience that, that develops a, an intelligence beyond its original owner. It was, a, I thought, it was quite a thoughtful, thought-provoking film as well. Another thing that we were talking about backstage is that is that you know some people think that riding a bicycle means that you're a cyborg it's anything that a technology does to enhance your sort of physical person, whether it's robotic, as we would imagine it now, you know, the sort of, the, the, I'm doing the robot dance from the 80s here, just to point that out. I never thought I would do that on a stage. Dancer, I am not. Um, but, you know, robots or robot dogs or robot cars or whatever it is, those things may not converge into our brains at any point in yeah. the near future but certainly the way that we use technologies whether it's a pen or an iPhone or whatever it is we are all cyborgs man unless you completely reject them i'm definitely as i've got contact lenses in i've got fillings i've had braces you know i, I a have a
0: filling doesn't make you a robot
2: i am You have no. I can hear. I've got the old. I've got the old style. You know. So it's it's actually an antenna. I can pick up different signals from around. (laughs) Um, But yeah. So but these it's. It's a way, I suppose, of of people kind of trying to come to terms with either utopian or dystopian of the way that we are integrating these scientific advances, these technological advances into our worlds. And a bicycle, absolutely, at one point, it was a phenomenal device that people were like, what is this thing? It shouldn't actually work. It's changing our society. Whoa was the kind of general (laughs) opinion about them. And so people who were writing them were, yeah, they were... They were cyborgs.
0: Not penny-farthings, though. A very, very good
2: friend of mine (laughs) who lives in London um, is one of the world penny-farthing champions. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I'm sure Kat Youngnickel would have something to say about that. And if people happen to be in London sort of around the first couple of weeks of June, um, in the centre of London is the Smithfield meat market. And every year there's this bike race or a series of bike events called the Nocturne, and every year Kat competes in the Penny Farthing Championship that goes around Smithfield. Yeah. So if you want a bit of the future past, past future, then go there. If
0: it's you want to be vote. a world champion or something, just choose something that no one else does. You have no,
2: I- <laughs> and you have no idea. Seriously. She's champion in, t- in, uh, in Tasmania, but she's yeah. not champion in, uh, in England. No. Anyway, that's a whole different story. But, yeah, it's, <laughs> bloody f- it's Cause phenomenal. Because
0: there's another bloke in it. <laughs> with a penny farthing and he can sit on it without falling off so he's he's the world champion in England they're not easy to ride I'll tell you that oh my goodness gracious so do you, what what can you tell us about um how society and social interactions is going to change in the future I mean I don't know how you know any of this stuff but <laughs> yeah. how, how is are you just guessing or is it definitely going to happen uh well so you know it's is all this stuff I mean there's this idea of um uh we were talking actually about the megacities programme uh, that Andrew Marr did, and uh, and there's a lot of these very solitary. Uh, like flats in, in these big, big buildings and it's sort of on your own. Is, is, is social interaction, do you think, going to become us all just sitting in a little cubicle never going out and interacting with holograms? And
2: Absolutely. That is the future. <laughs> what a shame. I'm going to be completely out of a job because I'll have to watch the dinner parties on a screen yeah. um, and everybody else will be on screens. No, I mean, a lot of the research that I've been doing over the, the past sort of 10, 15 years has basically been applying what we know about human social interactions and what we hold to be self-evident, what we hold to be part of our humanness, and looking at it in technologies. So things like trust, for example, or love, or any of these other kind of things that we think of as quite human, quite difficult to program, to sort of to reduce into ones and zeros. Um, we still do those things, even if we are in technologies. You know, people still develop trust with one another, even via mediated technologies. We still fall in love, all of that kind of stuff. So... At, but at the same time, those things can't necessarily—they can't capture, they can't replicate, they can't um, synthesize these sort of non, these human elements, these these sort of sort of soft, squishy, messy bits of us, these <laughs> inconsistencies, right? And so we will always need to have physical contact if just for procreation because you know what it's fun (laughs) why would we want to why honestly why would we want to get rid of that but you know what i mean we still we will still have to have the sights the sounds and the smells of one another in order to socially interact because we haven't yet been able to replicate or to to synthesize that experience Mm -hmm. i have hope i'm i'm although i enjoy reading dystopias i think it's possibly because i am a utopian and you know it gives me the hope that we will be able to develop, uh, to develop you know, the, the the transporter devices that get us from here to there, like Mike TV or or you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory <laughs> or or, um, or Star Trek. I, you know, I'm I'm optimistic that human beings will still be human beings and social social experiences, our social psychology will still exist. Because if it doesn't, I'm going to be out of a job. But also because I think that that is a bare element about humanity.
0: If they do make transporters, though, the danger is that because it's, it's just creating, it could just be creating a copy of you somewhere else. That's right. And then that's smaller. Could, yeah. And smaller they and They could smaller. get smaller, or they could become evil, or they could pretend that they're you, but they're not you. And then it's go around exciting. doing... Well, an army, good.
2: instead of an army of ants, yeah. you, you, it could be that what you had in your... It was an army what, of future your, very small people <laughs> that had somehow accidentally, like in the fly, crossed yeah. over and had become ants. So yeah. you killing those ants was actually killing
0: people. That's right. <laughs> still That's just funny. a human life. It's just a life isn't it? In, the, in the infinity of the universe. What's the difference between an ant and a human? Not much. That's my defence. That's a bit
2: metaphysical.
0: <laughs> I'm going to stand back from that one. That's
2: not part of my Do you think, remake. though,
0: that... I mean, because people say that social media is... I, I find social media... I wish I'd had it when I was in my 20s. Really? Yeah, because I was, I was sitting in a... Basically sitting in a little pod, not, and then not interacting with anyone. So at least you were interacting with people via, via being able to say, Hey, hi. I was just sitting going, Oh, be nice if someone rang up. <laughs> For ten years. Uh, so it would have been... If there'd just been Twitter, and I could have gone, hey, uh, that would have been something. So, but uh, I think, in a way, (laughs) not with that kind of (laughs) I'm so alone. Uh, I, in a way, it kind of it fosters uh, social interactions. I mean, creates more social interactions than you know, because you can a contact anyone in the world, but b if you are alone, or if you are, you know, like it's after a gig. If I'm in a town in a hotel somewhere, I can tweet. Whereas before, I'd just sit in the bar drinking on my own, thinking. Uh, but now I can have a chat with people, so that and uh, that's a, uh, improving social social interaction and communication. I I wouldn't
2: say it's necessarily improving it, but I wouldn't say that it's doing anything bad to it either. No. I would just say that it's we're we're experiencing it in in simply in a mediated way. So I did some. I've done quite a bit of research looking at things like. Um, status updates or looking at at tweets and all that and what they actually mean. Again, going back to the kind of psychology of who we are, why it is that we're compelled to tweet about our breakfasts, why we're compelled to tell our friends what we're doing on Facebook. And there's a researcher in Oxford whose name is Danica Radunovic, um, I finally have been able to pronounce that. It's taken me quite a long <laughs> of standing in front of a mirror just saying Danica Radanovich. Anyway, what what she has, has theorized is she's looked at um, some anthropologists from the early part of the 20th century, the 1920s and 1930s, and she analyzed what they called phatic communication, which is basically the, hey, how are you, what's up, lovely weather we're having, those types of sort yeah. of those types of nonsensical, sort of meaningless utterances. And she describes things like tweets and status updates and social media as basically us saying, hey, hey, how you doing? Nice weather we're having. Good to see you. It's kind of the exact same thing. It's just that it's done via a mediated technology. So, yeah, that you don't have to sit in a bar on your own eating your way through the peanuts and drinking your way through a (laughs) bottle of whiskey on your own anymore because you can now sort of tweet at the same time. I am drunk. I am
0: (laughs) eating my way through... I have a nut allergy. I didn't think this through.
2: (laughs) All of the who who here has any adrenaline. Um, So... There, it's just it's again, it's part of our sort of our our natural human social interaction that we've just simply transported into this this new environment. So I do have hope for the future, but you know if we if we do need to sit in boxes and drink ourselves to the <laughs> bottom of a bottle of whiskey, then at
0: least we can it chat was, with other people. it would be space whiskey by then, though. Space it would have whiskey, it'd be very different.
1: Ready to pop the question?
0: What will sex be like in the future? Will it be the same, or will it be there if it got some extra holes?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if you could see his face close up right now, <laughs> it's, it's a little bit creepy. <laughs> that was properly like. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> well. Um, properly t- erotic, and it turned around. As well, like, Ooh, can I
2: get?
0: It was so sexy, <laughs> I've made her pregnant.
2: <laughs> well done. five months, that was fast. Um, but yeah, the um, question about sex is really interesting because sex, we still want sex. We still want the physical experience of sex. Um, but there are now quite a lot of fascinating mediated devices that allow you to experience sexual pleasure not in the same room or even on the same continent as somebody else. Um, so there is there is a there is a community. There's quite a lot of communities actually out there, who are playing around with these things called teledildonics, which every time I <laughs> which every time I say that out loud. Um, Oh, God. (laughs) I have actually made my editor at The Guardian blush with that one before. Do we need to talk about this again, Alex? I'm like, but it's really interesting. They're going, oh, my God. So Teledildonics, you can look it up on the Internet if you wish. Um, You could probably find communities who are are doing it. They do all kinds of fascinating things with devices and, you know, from far away, remote devices and all that. But on a more intimate, I suppose, level, (laughs) that's not intimate like that there's also the um the technologies that we're using whether it's things like video conferencing for just sort of face-to-face chat not in any way hanky-panky but also other um you know what they're calling haptic devices which are for example um there's a there's a company in japan unsurprisingly that um that when you're uh, talking with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever on the phone, then it sort of rumbles slightly so that it's as if they're giving you a kiss. So there's different ways that you can create these kind of intimacies even if you're not in the same space. But obviously, you don't really want to replace a good thing.
0: Really, you don't want to... If you could get a really good robot... Of Amy Pond, for example. And for then,
2: example, then and you wouldn't have to, have to go. Through, you, wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't have <laughs> no. to steal her hair. No. So and, would and do the cloning thing.
0: What if they had? Tra- what if you were able to transport things? You'd be able to transport your sperm into people's ovaries and impregnate them without them that. knowing but yeah.
2: just Incorrect. sort of spontaneous. I think that, <laughs> that there's a dangerous. book about that. Right? <laughs> the whole religious um, religious <laughs> spectrum about that. Yeah, that could that could work. I can imagine there would be some new legislation associated with that and interesting sort of prophylactic clothing. <laughs>
0: that <laughs> well, that's really one to awkward. watch out for. Yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you um, heard it
2: here first, folks.
0: Do you think the film Space Camp could ever become true I in real life? I bloody
2: well hope so. <laughs> and I want to be on that plane. Yeah. Well, it's not on a plane. That was the an amazing shuttle. flick. Remember I remember seeing Space yeah. Camp,
0: oh. when some kids got on the Space Shuttle and went, it got sent off by mistake.
2: It was Apollo 13, but for kids. Could never happen. Oh, it was brilliant. I you think don't they've think. Got,
0: they've got checks in to stop the yeah, space shuttle going off.
2: Human error. Human <laughs> error. That's what happened. It was all about the human error. It was, that was an amazing film. That was, I remember exactly where I was when I saw that and that made me want to go to space camp. <laughs> I want to go to space camp and be sent to the moon.
0: And do you think human beings are going to evolve into a different species? Sure. Too? Yeah. <laughs> why not? Yeah, probably not. Well, I'm.
2: no, because, I mean, why should we be the end? I don't feel like I'm any kind of sort of, you know, I'm not the, the superhuman that, i you know... That's
0: why we booked you. In. There's been a misunderstanding.
2: <laughs> oh, no! Oh, you're going <laughs> Quick, to... Cut! <laughs> um, but, you know, I, why should we think... Why should we have the mighty hubris that we are the end-all, be-all of evolution? Mm. You know, we still have appendix, appendices, not, you know, see appendix, A, B, and C, <laughs> but, you know, we have these little dangly things that we're not really sure... What they do um, inside our bodies—that is—but um, yeah, like you know, they they occasionally explode, <laughs> don't they? And we're not really sure what they're for. Um, eventually, maybe they may disappear. Um, so we can't possibly think that we're the end all. So be-all. in the
0: future, there might be human beings, but they just won't have an appendix. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrifying vision. <laughs> Uh and with uh, medical advancements though, the next generation I'm after not mine, a medical
2: doctor, right? I just wanna well, say I know, but not you not a, might, I know a
0: bit about this, so you might know a bit about this. But do you think well, A is disease gonna be wiped out? Completely. Seems, no. It, you no. You don't think so? No,
2: because again diseases evolve, bacteria evolves viruses evolve. Yeah. We can't you know, we are not at the end, man. We gotta keep going forward because otherwise what's the point?
0: But the next generation is meant to be like the first immortal generation, in that they, their life will be, should be prolonged long enough. I mean, you know, it doesn't stop them being run over by a bus. <laughs> <Final death. laughs> but you and would... I think eventually you would want to kill yourself. Oh yeah. But you know, the, 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 our life can be prolonged that long.
2: So I did. I took a really fascinating class in college that was I found fascinating. It was called Death Education bit morbid i was a goth um i don't know (laughs) if that that comes out but um it was such an interesting class and we were talking it was looking at the the sociological the psychological the the biological the the chemical all these different elements the religious elements of of death and sort of looking at it from different frames different points of view and the now sadly deceased um teacher um i was just reading about him not that long ago strangely enough um he said listen if even medical technology keeps our brains alive and all the various organs alive that that keep our consciousnesses alive our skin would turn to mush like we would just we would literally we are not physically built to live as sort of biological beings forever and this is where these technological solutions like Kurzweil's stuff and and like you know like Lovelock stuff come in is that somehow we can upload ourselves to our devices so there's a a lovely book written by a friend of mine named Cory Doctorow. And Cory's very first, I think it was his first full book, and it was called Down and Out in the Magic Kingdom. Just, a, it's a lovely, straightforward, lovely little read. And it's, you know, set in the near future. There are, Great wars at Disneyland between the people who want to keep the animatronics and the people who want to create the experiences in which you sort of plug something in the back of your head and you have this very immersive experience. The Hall of Presidents and all of this kind of thing. Why why just watch a, a bad robot of a president when you can be a president type of thing? But one really lovely idea that he explored in this book was this idea of we, in this short term future we would be able to upload ourselves to a technology like a backup like we do for our phones or for our computers and then if, our, if we die you know we do it maybe once a day or something like that if we die then we just simply download ourselves back into this new body and whatever but what he was exploring because that's not a, a new idea it's been played around in science fiction before but he, what he explored what I think he did beautifully really really lovely way was explore this idea of suicide just don't back yourself up just leave it for as long as possible. Have you ever done that with, like, your devices? You're like, haha, it tells me that I haven't backed up for 21 days. <laughs> well, and if everything goes horribly wrong, then I'm going to lose those 21 days of all of that stuff that I've done. And I love that idea of you know the, the the sort of the social outcomes of these technological solutions for keeping us alive mm-hmm. forever and ever. We'll have all these new social questions. What happens if we don't back ourselves up? How is that going to separate us from the people who are you know religious about
0: backing ourselves yeah, but up? But if you back yourself up all the time, you can just keep going back and doing it until everything comes out your way, can't you? That be pretty
2: much. Well, you don't sort of reverse the trend. You don't go previous back. You go to the last back. So yeah, if you, you go a back lesson, to the last
0: back and you just. About to put a million pounds on black, and then. But go you're back not rewriting it. It's like red. you could do. So, <laughs> so, you, so you see now you've taken back.
2: it. You've taken it to the next level, man. <laughs> <laughs> you've taken it to a whole different kind of science
0: fiction. Like Groundhog Day, You basically, <sighs> be able to do Groundhog Day for your own life Brilliant. until you get it right and can play the piano. <laughs> no, maybe not. <laughs> uh, <Great laughs>
2: I watch that every year on Groundhog Day.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> true. And do you think? Um, what we, what will we do is it, when all the oil and stuff runs out?
2: Oh God! <laughs> yes, yeah,
0: because it's going be. to run out in like five years in the UK. I heard that there's no fossil fuels in the UK in five years' time, and France is two years' time. So fuck them. Water. <laughs> <laughs> that... They'll be swimming across. We, we chucking our oil in there, paddling seat. away.
2: Yeah. Um, when, when, all the oil runs out, I'm sure we will come up with different solutions for powering our devices and for keeping our TVs on standby. <laughs> I'm sure, absolutely, we will come up with those because you know we are, we are on a road to nowhere. <laughs> We're on an inevitable path towards. You know, little children swimming. The, I mean, science, I think, the,
0: is, the, is the, our hope for the future yeah. that there will... But at uh, the same
2: time, it's going to destroy yeah, us. So we exciting. need to make a decision here. <laughs> we need to figure out what it's going to do. Ah,
0: it would be all right. Someone will come along and save us. <laughs> exactly. <Someone> <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> roll the, the dice, else. man. Roll It'll the be dice. all right. And do you think we'll ever be able to travel in time?
2: I bloody well hope so. We are right now.
0: Yeah, ah, very, now, very, now, very, very now, slowly, now. one second at a time.
2: Pretty bloody I'd fast, I'd really? like to go
0: like... Well, the, the theory is you might be able to travel forwards, but not backwards.
2: And that's why you wouldn't be able to put a million on black.
0: Yeah. So
2: that answers your previous question. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. It would be kind of neat if we did, but
0: where would, where would you go? When would, when would you go? I'd go to the Eloy and the Moorcocks. Would you? Yeah. yeah. That's... Yes. <laughs> So you go so underground. Like, <laughs> I'd be in the. I like the ELO. The ELO were pretty cool. Yeah. Don't blame him. In the, in the uh, 1960s film, he goes back, doesn't he? Stays there. Yeah. Why not?
2: Have you uh, that? That film actually is quite funny because they he sets up the the time machine chair in front of basically a you know a window at. at I don't know, Selfridges or something. Yeah. And the only way that you know you're going back in time is because the clothing on the mannequin goes back yeah. in time and suddenly, you know, it's like, whoa, we're, we're back <laughs> in time where people are wearing bonnets. Okay, <laughs> let's go out here. It's brilliant.
0: Well, also, you know, I have a, a you know, I, I, I care very much about time travel and uh, the logic of it. And my problem with the uh, time machine, that version of the time machine, why doesn't he see himself arriving back a week later when he comes back? That's my question to you. I'm I'm guessing this audience haven't seen the uh, Rod Rod Taylor time machine. You must see it. I've got it on my phone. We can just, if we all see (laughs) him, I genuinely have. I'm going to make you all, I'm going to put it on Apple TV. We're just going to sit here for the next And then I'm going to say, why didn't he see himself coming back? Answer me that. Why was the door open? There's people at home going, he's so right. (laughs) He's so... That's the same thing here. that happened
2: in Back to the Future, oh, the original, when he sees himself. They
0: make, yeah, but they make it make sense. Okay, in a way. Can you all see that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it may, it, 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 it must, oh, it's, there's no, uh, it's loading, here we go. <laughs> see, this freaks me out. Would you think about, you know, if you were Rod Taylor and you'd made The Time Machine uh, in 1960, That's and then then in for just like in 50 years time someone was able to just watch it on the telephone i mean that would f- fuck with your mind it's still they're all nearly all still alive when i watch films this is this probably won't be on the program uh, this when <laughs> like a chat? i chat this is just for my own when i watch films I, I quite often and they're old films i quite often go to wikipedia <laughs> so i can go to my wife he's dead <laughs> he's dead dead oh dead Near. Mrs Watch is obviously dead, and a couple of the older guys are dead, but uh, Rod's alive, and the old Scottish man's still alive. Uh, Leela's still alive. She's nice. She's not as nice-looking as she was back then. The the clocks. Going. How? There's clocks flying through space. That is the best. There's the Big Ben. Seriously, we're going to watch it here, <laughs> How long do you think you would sit here watching this on my phone? Really straining to hear... the time machine. <laughs> Uh, good. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> is there anything else you would like to tell us about the future? I put my, One of my questions is, how many people? No, no, and <laughs> I just ran out of ideas for that. Some. What about politics? Do you think politics and language and things like that? How will those things change?
2: We're just going to keep adding words, aren't we? Yeah. Adding words and adding concepts, and, and politicians are going to keep spewing their rhetoric in one another, and it's just all, I mean... Well, all the questions that you're asking are about sort of, and it helps that, you know, you knew that I was a social psychologist so you steered the questions <laughs> in that direction as opposed to asking specifics about what happens when the oil runs out. <laughs> Thank you for that. Because I'd be right up the creek. <laughs> but all of the questions and all the, all the future scenarios are always about people. They're always about how we interact with one another. And yes. as I said before, you know, it seems that we've been doing exactly the same. We've been coming up with religions. We've been coming up with politics. We've been doing governance and economies and all this, value, trade, trust, everything in exactly the same way. So I figure in the future we will still have these things. We might not recognize them. You know, Google might might look, you know, really dated in 20 years' time. Yeah. You know, we, it, we might be having, you know, the... I, I was saying earlier that I moved to the UK in 1995, and around 1999 there was a series of TV programs on several channels I love nineteen eighty whatever I love nineteen ninety three and Andrew, it got Andrew ridiculous Collins was
0: in the. Mall. It Enough. got
2: ridiculous because I remember it was 1999. It was like, next week I love 1999. It was like, what, what? What What are you talking about? Best cultural education I have ever had. Like, I learned more from that than I learned from sort of reading books about Britain. But, you know, we may be looking back at I Love 2014 in, you know, 30 years' time. go, God, Google, that looks yeah. ridiculous. Why did you have those colors? You know, we might just be looking back yeah. and saying things have – things look very different now, but ultimately it is, it's is—it's going to be the same in the future. I have a hope for humanity. You're basically yeah. trying to back me into a corner and say, <laughs> we're all going to die and society is going to be ruined and half the people are going to go underground and half the people are going to stay on top and people on top are going to be happy and the people underground are going to be... Cannibalistic, and that's what you want me to say. Yeah. It's not going to happen, man. I'm really sorry. <laughs> we might go to the moon, but we'll still end up doing exactly the same thing we with, do now.
0: With the internet, and you know, won't and just just we're able to communicate with everyone in the world in a way that we couldn't in the past. So won't that just have an enormous uh, social revolution in that we? I can presumably, you know, I could talk to someone in China and say, you know, we could discuss ideas and exchange ideas in a way that could never have been done before, and won't that create a massive revolution in society?
2: I would love that to be the case. And definitely the people who who were, you know, the, the forefathers, the, the, the pioneers of the Internet and the web, they were all about that. They were all about, we're going to have this big global group hug. But what's sort of panned out now, and, you know, this is 20-odd years hence, what's panned out now is that... Um, we don't talk to people necessarily on the other side of the world. We'll, we will talk to people within our own language groups, our own cultural groups. We have these quite sort of localized experiences online, mm-hmm. whether that's through our our own nations, you know, in our, our our neighborhoods and stuff like that, or it's sort of neighborhoods, communities of practice is what they're called. These people who are, you know, they think like us, they're like us, you know, they they have the same opinions, they have the same politics, the same religions like us. And so one would hope that that war would end because we can all chat to one another and find out that we all like Scooby Doo that would be brilliant <laughs> but unfortunately you know we're we're not doing as much of that as we had hoped we're still you know we're still tribal we still can't quite cope with the idea that when we tweet about a breakfast, it could potentially go really, really far. When we stick that embarrassing photograph of ourselves vomiting outside the pub, it may end up that, you know, it's not going to go too far. It's going to go to your next recruiter, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and that's just, that's unfortunately the sort of the world that we're living in. We actually live almost, rather than this great global village with this wonderful group hug, we've got these almost too close communities where if you split up with somebody, they're still there and you're your facebook feed and you can't stop hearing about you know it just yeah. it it can become quite claustrophobic so unfortunately um war war is still going to happen <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like we are still going to have differences of opinion um even though we can bond over cat videos and and yeah. you know memes and stuff like we that. we
0: all like those
2: i'm uh, sorry i feel like i'm bringing you down man. no it's good it's we're all going to end up, we're going to end up It'll be more it's Mainly positive.
0: So the few you seem quite positive about the future—and you yourself are creating a tiny probe that you're <laughs> sending out into the future that will be Go there. Forth. That will be there in maybe a hundred years' time tell after me, we're, tell me we're not here. So you that's can't quite. Kiss exciting.
2: my belly, so I'm I don't want, I don't
0: want to. Do, <laughs> that would just be weird. I've done that to Greg Davis, <laughs> but I don't think I'll do that. <laughs> that to you. That would be a bit weird. <laughs> I'd never, I'd I'd you're the one who brought it up.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you were talking before. My about wife's just there. Sorry about that. Do you mind if I just kiss this up? It wasn't, it was. Not you, you're not my wife. I mind
0: you. We'll see how it goes. Well, look, this has been really, uh, really fantastic. Thank you very much for coming in. Will you please give it a big round of applause to Alex Grudowski? Thank you.
1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Thanks again for listening to the podcast. richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour or com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Go gofasterstripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.